Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be going through the basics of contraception. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash contraception or in the contraception section of the Zero to Finals Obstetrics and Gynecology book. So let's get straight into it. There are many methods of contraception you need to be familiar with. It's a common task in OSCE exams to counsel a patient about the different options. This involves discussing the different options, their suitability, including assessing for contraindications and risks, the effectiveness of different options, the mechanisms of action, and the instruction on use. It's worth noting that all forms of contraception are available free in the UK on the NHS. Let's go through a basic list of the methods of contraception. The key contraceptive methods available are natural family planning or the rhythm method, barrier methods, for example condoms, combined contraceptive pills, progesterone-only pills, coils, for example the copper coil or the Mirena coil, the progestogen injection, the progestogen implant, and surgery, for example sterilisation or vasectomy. Emergency contraception is also available after unprotected intercourse. However, emergency contraception should not be relied upon as a regular method of contraception. Let's talk about the UK medical eligibility criteria. The Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive Healthcare, or FSRH, has UK Medical Eligibility Criteria, or UKMEC. And these are guidelines published in 2016 and updated in 2019 to categorise the risks of starting different methods of contraception in different individuals. There are four levels, from least risk to the most risk. UKMEC1 is when there's no restriction in use and there's minimal risk of using that method of contraception. UKMEC2 is when the benefits generally outweigh the risks. UKMEC3 is when the risks generally outweigh the benefits. And UKMEC4 is when there's unacceptable risk and typically means the method is contraindicated. So when you're assessing whether somebody's suitable for a method of contraception, you can check the UKMEC criteria to see whether they're UKMEC1, 2, 3 or 4. Next let's talk about explaining effectiveness. The different methods of contraception are not equally effective. The effectiveness is expressed as a percentage. For example, the combined oral contraceptive pill is 99% effective. The only method that is 100% effective is complete abstinence without having any sex. So what does 99% effective mean? When a method is 99% effective, it means that if an average person used this method of contraception correctly and with a regular partner for a single year, they would only have a 1% chance of pregnancy. It's essential to distinguish between the effectiveness of perfect use and of typical use. This is especially important with methods such as natural family planning, barrier contraception and the pill where the effectiveness is very user-dependent. 
Long-acting methods such as the implant, coil and surgery are the most effective with typical use as they're not dependent on the user to take regular action. Once the long-acting method has been implemented, it will continue working and the person can completely forget about it until it needs to be renewed. The FSRH UKMEC guideline from 2016 provides data on the effectiveness of each method with perfect and typical use. Natural family planning with perfect use can be 95 to 99.6% effective, but with typical use is 76% effective. Condoms can be 98% effective with perfect use, but are 82% effective with typical use. The combined oral contraceptive pill is more than 99% effective with perfect use, but 91% effective with typical use. The progestogen only pill is more than 99% effective with perfect use, but 91% effective with typical use. The progestogen only injection is more than 99% effective with perfect use, but 94% effective with typical use. And the progestogen only implant, coils such as the copper coil or the marina coil, and surgery such as sterilization or vasectomy, are more than 99% effective with both perfect and typical use. Next, let's talk about specific risk factors. Exam questions frequently present an individual with specific risk factors and ask for the most suitable form of contraception for that person. To answer these questions, it helps to remember key risk factors and their contraindications. In patients with breast cancer, avoid any form of hormonal contraception and go for either the copper coil or barrier methods. In patients with cervical or endometrial cancer, avoid the intrauterine system, such as the Mirena coil. And in patients with Wilson's disease, avoid the copper coil. There's a long list of specific risk factors that should make you avoid the combined contraceptive pill. And these risk factors make the combined pill UKMEC4. These include uncontrolled hypertension, particularly above 160 over 100, migraine with aura, a history of venous thromboembolism, a patient aged over 35 and smoking more than 15 cigarettes per day, major surgery with prolonged immobility, vascular disease or stroke, ischemic heart disease, cardiomyopathy or atrial fibrillation, liver cirrhosis and liver tumours, and systemic lupus erythematosus and antiphospholipid syndrome. Next, let's talk about contraception in older women. There are some additional considerations in older and perimenopausal women. After the last period, contraception is required for two years in women under 50 and one year in women over 50. Hormone replacement therapy does not prevent pregnancy and additional contraception is required. The combined contraceptive pill can be used up to age 50 years and can be used to treat perimenopausal symptoms. And the progestogen injection, for example, Depo-Provera, 
should be stopped before 50 due to the risk of osteoporosis. Women taking progestogen-only contraception can become amenorrheic, meaning they have no periods. This raises a question about when they can stop taking contraception and not risk getting pregnant as they go through the menopause. Women that are amenorrheic when taking progestogen-only contraception should continue contraception until either FSH blood test results are above 30 international units per litre on two tests taken six weeks apart, after which they need to continue contraception for one more year, or they reach 55 years of age. Next, let's talk about the choice of contraception under 20 years of age. When prescribing contraception for women under 20 years, there's a few things to consider. The combined and progestogen-only pills are unaffected by younger age, so there's no difference when prescribing these pills. The progestogen-only implant is a good choice of long-acting reversible contraception. It's UKMEC1 in younger women. The progestogen-only injection is UKMEC2, so less suitable due to concerns about reduced bone mineral density. And coils are also UKMEC2, as they may have a higher rate of expulsion, meaning falling out. Finally, let's talk about contraception after childbirth. Fertility is not considered to return until 21 days after giving birth, and contraception is not required up to that point. The risk of pregnancy is very low before 21 days. After 21 days, women are considered to be fertile, and so they'll need contraception. Lactational amenorrhea, where breastfeeding results in a lack of periods and a lack of ovulation, is over 98% effective as a method of contraception for up to six months after birth. Women must be fully breastfeeding and amenorrheic, meaning no periods. The progestogen-only pill and the progestogen-only implant are considered safe in breastfeeding and can be started at any time after birth. The combined contraceptive pill should be avoided in breastfeeding. It's UKMEC4 before six weeks postpartum, so it needs to be avoided for the first six weeks after giving birth. And then it's UKMEC2 after six weeks. The copper coil or the intrauterine system, for example the Mirena coil, can be inserted either within 48 hours of birth, in the first 48 hours after birth, or more than four weeks after birth, at which times they're UKMEC1. But they should not be inserted between 48 hours and four weeks after birth. During this period, they're UKMEC3. A tom tip for you, remember that the combined pill should not be started before six weeks after childbirth in women that are breastfeeding. The progestogen-only pill or the implant can be started at any time after birth. So thanks for listening to this episode on the basics of contraception. As always, a big thank you to Harry for perfectly editing the podcast. And I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about barrier methods of contraception.